Welcome to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, a primitive Baptist ministry declaring the good news of the finished work of salvation by grace alone. This weekly radio program is brought to you by Elder Joe Nettles, pastor of Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church in Caledonia, Mississippi, and Elder David Wise, pastor of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi. We now invite you to stay tuned for our message this morning. Good morning and welcome to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast again. This is Elder David Wise here with you this morning, and we're very thankful to have you tune in with us on the program. We invite you to go to our website, gospel-of-grace.com, to get more information. If you're not in the North Mississippi area, you can find a church, a primitive Baptist church that may be closer to you. If you are close to us here in North Mississippi, please come see us at Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church on Wolf Road outside Caledonia, Mississippi, and at Macedonia Church. We're at 11 Staten Road in Ackerman, Mississippi. Both of our churches meet for worship every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. Then we also have a midweek Wednesday night service in Starkville, Mississippi at the La Quinta Inn in Starkville on Highway 12 beginning at 6 p.m. each Wednesday night. We'd love to hear from you if you enjoy our program. Uh, you can email us, find our contact information on our website. And if you happen to listen on our podcast, particular iTunes podcast, be sure and write a review. And if you enjoy it, be sure and leave a five star if you feel that's accurate. Any reviews and comments gives a higher rating on iTunes and more people might be able to see it. So you can uh, leave us a good rating if you enjoy our program and you feel so inclined to, to leave that review. This morning, we'd like to consider laboring fervently in prayer and the tenacity and the intensity with which we are supposed to approach the Lord in prayer. So we hope this message will be beneficial for you and we hope to bring that message for you here right after this song.
welcome to the Gospel of Grace again. This morning we'd like to return to Colossians chapter 4 and verse 12 and continue our thoughts together on laboring fervently in prayer. Colossians chapter 4 and in verse 12. Epaphras, who is one of us, a servant of Christ, saluteth you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that ye may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. So we see this intensity of prayer that Epaphras displayed, as that Greek word means to be in agony, to struggle, to contend or fight with an adversary, or to compete, such as a wrestling match in the Olympic Games. We see Jesus who labored with strong crying and tears for us in the Garden of Gethsemane. We see the intensity of Jesus's prayers. We see the commitment of the Apostle Paul in prayer as he called God down as his witness that without ceasing and always he made mention of not just the Roman church, but just about every church he, he wrote to. He prayed for them individually and he prayed for the ministry and he also prayed for the growth of the kingdom of God for people to be changed for people to be converted to the gospel and to be baptized into the Lord's church. Continuing that thought for just a minute, the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 15 and verse 30 requested the church to labor with him and to strive with him together in prayer for the growth and the advancement of the gospel. Romans chapter 15, verses 30 to 31. Now I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake and for the love of the Spirit, that ye strive together with me in your prayers to God, that I may be delivered from them that do not believe in Judea, and that my service which I have for Jerusalem may be accepted of the saints. So first of all, the Apostle Paul knew that those that don't believe is an evidence that they're not born again. Therefore, he didn't want to go to those that don't believe in hopes I could save them to heaven. He said, actually, church, please pray for me to be delivered from people that don't believe, but ultimately to be delivered to them that have been born again so the Lord can do his work. You know, we see how the Lord must tender people's hearts before they can receive the gospel. We see in Acts chapter 2, there are people that are pricked in the heart, and those that are pricked in the heart repented and were baptized. 3,000 people there on the day of Pentecost. We see how God already had a people in Corinth. The apostle Paul was encouraged by the Lord saying, I already have much people in this city. So there were children of God that were praying. And also there at Philippi, a couple chapters before that, the apostle Paul wanted to go into Asia. He wanted to go to Bithynia, but the Lord didn't allow him to go. He suffered him not to go. But then he saw a vision of a man in Macedonia saying, Lord, come and help us. Anyone know what's beautiful about that? These children of God were praying, Lord, give us knowledge. Same way with Cornelius, right? Cornelius is praying. And what did God do? He sent him a minister. So Paul says, look, I don't want to waste my time with people that don't believe. I want to pray for the Holy Spirit to guide my ministry, to guide me to people who are praying for me. <laughs> They're praying for God to send them a messenger and Lord, you direct my spirit to where I can go into them. We see the same thing with the Ethiopian eunuch and Philip. He's praying, Lord, let me understand what this means here in Isaiah 53. And Lord burdens a man to leave a revival in Samaria and run out in the middle of the Gaza desert to give that good news of the gospel to the Ethiopian unit. You see, when we pray for the kingdom of God, when we pray for the gospel to be advanced and people are praying for knowledge themselves, 
God is going to line up people by the direction of his Holy Spirit on both sides of the equation. But Paul says, look, I'm praying for it. I'm praying for doors to be open. Roman church, I want you to strive together with me. And this word strive together means to struggle in company with. Very similar to what we see in laboring fervently. In other words, I'm striving together for the advancement of the gospel. And church, I want you to strive together with me for the advancement of the gospel. And I would encourage you, everyone that's listening today, to strive together in the ministry, to strive together with your pastor, to pray for open doors for the gospel. Colossians chapter four and verse three, the apostle Paul is commanding the church to pray. He's not just saying, hey, this is on my personal prayer list. Hey, this is a personal burden. He is saying it is the church's responsibility. Every single member of the church, it is your individual responsibility. Colossians chapter four and verse three, praying also for us. You need to be praying for the ministry. You need to be praying for your pastor, that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which also I am in bonds. He also says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 11, ye also helping together by prayer for us, that for the gift bestowed upon us by the means of many persons, thanks may be given by many on our behalf. He says, you can help the ministry by praying for it. You know, there are only a certain amount of people that are called to preach the gospel. But I'll tell you, we are a one body unit in the church. God has set aside people with certain spiritual gifts to preach the gospel. But you want to know how their preaching is effective? You want to know how those that have been gifted to preach the gospel, how it is effective to the hearers? It's by the rest of the church praying for them and helping them together for God to work to soften the ears and the hearts of the people that they're listening to. You see, that's what we need to see in the church. We are a unified body. We're not just a collection of individuals that sit together in a room once a week. We're not a collection of individuals that are members of a club or members of an organization. We are a body and we need to pray together. We need to pray together, but we need to pray together for a common unit. And there's a lot of people that say, well, I just don't know what I can do for the church. I'll tell you what Paul said you can do for the church. You can help together by prayer in praying for the ministry and praying for open doors for the gospel. And we need to be found doing that. Another important aspect of a healthy body of the church is an openness to share our struggles with other people and to request them to pray for us. I think one real problem we have in the church is we can be very superficial. We show up at church. If we speak to other members beforehand, hey, how you doing? Good. How you doing? Good. And very little conversation after that. We sit in the same room. There may be a couple amens. There may be a couple prayer requests that are mentioned. And then we shake one another's hand and say, all right, well, I'll see you next week. And we think that's church. That's not church. That's not church. That's a business meeting, okay? That's what you do with the Kiwanis Club. That's what you do for Rotary, okay? That's not church. The church is a body of Christ, and there should be an intimacy in the body of Christ that we have the confidence, the trust, and the love for one another that we can confess our faults one to another and request prayer from our brothers and sisters in Christ during our time of need. Now, that doesn't mean every Sunday that everyone gets up and confesses everything they've done this week, okay? What that means is you should have close friends in the body of Christ, in the church, and in the kingdom of God, that you are constantly in communication with them and saying, this is what I'm struggling with this week. Can you please pray for me? And also, these are the mistakes I've made this week. I'll tell you, we try to give such a pretense that we're not sinners. <laughs> I'll tell you, primitive Baptists know better than anybody. You are a sinner. You are 
as Brother Joe always says, a no good bushwhacking sinner. We know that. We know the scripture teaches there's none that doeth good, no, not one. So why are we going to come to the church and give this pretense that nobody has any problems. The church is not a country club for saints. It's a hospital for broken sinners, right? Why are we gonna come to the hospital with a broken leg and try to give the pretense that we can run a marathon? (laughs) No, you got a broken leg. (laughs) Why are you gonna give the pretense that there's not any problems? No, we need to be open, we need to be honest. And there has to be a depth of love, a depth of intimacy, a depth of trust and confidence in the members of the church that we not just feel comfortable, but we want to confess our faults one to another. Why? Not like a Catholic priest that I'm not even looking at the person and I confess everything and he says, oh, your sins are forgiven. No, the reason why I'm confessing my faults is so they can hear that, encourage you, give you you instruction from the word of God. It's not a one-sided confession is what I mean. You're not confessing your faults just to dump all your burdens on them. No, it's so that person as iron sharpens iron can sharpen you. So they can encourage you by the word of God. And I'll tell you, that is something sorely missing in our churches. We just go through the motions in church. We go through the motions of public worship and there is not an intimacy of connection with the members of our churches to confess our faults one to another and pray for one another. And it says that you may be healed. You know, that's not just talking about being sick, okay? Look at the immediate context in which that's said. Confess your faults one to another, pray for one another, that you may be healed. That's not necessarily talking about being sick. It's talking about healing from your faults, healing from your sins. And one of the main ways that we receive healing and peace in our heart by that is by confessing it one to another. And then the next phrase is, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. It makes a big difference. I'll tell you, we try to keep things to ourselves, and we try to act like we've got everything together. Nobody's got everything together. Nobody's got everything together. We need to tell other people when we're struggling that we trust and that we love, and especially if they live in a righteous way and we know that they are effectual and fervent in their prayers, why would we not want them praying for us? The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man, it avails much. I'll tell you, it makes a big difference. And I want people like that praying for me. But you want to know how they know how to pray specific prayers? You want to know how they know how to pray that I'm in a specific need? You told me, right? You told me. When we're in a severe need, we need to look to the community of the church to pray for us. Let's back up there in James chapter 5, begin reading in verse 13. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let him pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he hath committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another, that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So, especially when people are sick, James says the proper pattern for dealing with that is to call for the church. Is any afflicted? It's not just talking about terminal illnesses. There's a lot of affliction here in this world. Is there any afflicted? Let him pray. But also, if you are particularly dealing with a challenging health situation, if you're sick, the scriptures give us the pattern here for call for the elders of the church, for the laying on of hands, for the anointing of oil in the name of the Lord. And notice he says, the prayer of faith shall save the sick. The prayer of faith shall save the sick. 
Many times we don't pray in faith, though. We're going to see that with the church and Peter when he was released from prison in just a minute. We don't pray in faith. Sometimes we go through the motions, and we know we're supposed to pray for people, and we pray, well, Lord, if you can do anything, you know, somebody else has received another terminal diagnosis. Somebody else has got a bad doctor's report. Doesn't look good, Lord. Doesn't look good at all. But Lord, if you could just help them out a little bit, (laughs) I'll tell you, we need to be reminded that we are praying to the God of heaven and earth that is all power in heaven and earth. God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think. And we are petitioning the sovereign God of this universe to intercede on the behalf of a struggling child of God. We don't need to pray so defeatist prayers and act like, well, God, I don't know if you can handle this one. This one's a toughie. They got a really bad diagnosis. Things really don't look good. I don't know if you can handle this. God's been handling impossible situations since the beginning of this world. Yeah, with man's impossible, but guess what? With God, all things are possible. The prayer of faith shall save the sick. Now, that doesn't mean that every time that someone calls for the elders of the church to pray for them and they go on to heaven, that doesn't mean that we weren't praying in faith. No, we also have to pray according to God's will, okay? But we also need to always pray with being reminded that there is abundant power in the prayers of God's saints, especially the collective prayers of God's saints. It says the the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much, Okay, that means to be strong or to have power. And much means abundant or large. There is abundant power in individual prayers. Notice, the individual affection prayer of a righteous man availeth much. That's just one prayer of one man individually. But what difference does it make when you have a collection, a body of multiple effectual fervent prayers of righteous men and women praying together. Boy, that just exponentially compounds the magnitude of the effect of those prayers, doesn't it? If one prayer of one righteous man avails so much and there is abundant power in one righteous man praying diligently and fervently to the Lord, how much abundant power is there in the body of Christ, meaning together and praying in unity with one mind and one spirit, praying with power unto the Lord. I'll tell you, there is power in that. Amen? There is power, not just in an individual prayer of one man, but in the collective body of the church praying together. And we see that in Acts chapter 12, when Peter was cast into prison, Herod has just killed James. So the church thinks that most likely Herod is going to kill Peter too. And it says in Acts chapter 12 and in verse 5, that prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. Peter is in a precarious situation in a natural sense, right? He's thrown in prison. And how in the world is he ever going to get out of prison anyway? Seems impossible because Herod's not going to let him out of jail. He doesn't have the ability to have a jailbreak. How's he ever going to get out of prison? Lord, Lord, just help him out if you can do anything. But they were praying diligently. They were. They were praying without ceasing. And I commend them for that. And then God just miraculously goes in there. He sends an angel and he takes the cuffs off Peter and he literally leads him right out the front gate of the prison. I'll tell you, our God listens to the prayers of his people. Amen. Our God is powerful. Sometimes we look at a situation just like that and say, well, probably going to kill Peter in a couple days. I don't know how we have the ability to plan a jailbreak. I don't know how Herod's ever going to let him go. Maybe we could bribe Herod, you know, think about it in a very natural sense. Well, you know what God did? 
God just sent an angel and he literally led Peter right out the front door of the prison. I'll tell you, that's amazing. That's amazing. So where did Peter go when God led him right out of the front door of the prison? He went to where the church was meeting. He went to Mary's house where the church was met together praying. He knocks on the door. A young girl named Rhoda answers the door. She recognized Peter's voice and she runs immediately. She's so excited. She runs immediately to tell the church, Peter's outside. And the church said, girl, you done going crazy right? <laughs> they thought she was mad or thought that she'd seen Peter's angel. They finally get around to letting Peter in the house and it says they were astonished. They were astonished. The prayer of faith shall save the sick. How many times do we pray in faith in the manner that we ought to? It certainly appears that even though this Jerusalem church was laboring fervently in prayer, it doesn't appear they were praying in faith. But you know what? Isn't God so good? He answered their prayer even though they weren't praying in faith. Amen? Because when God answered their prayer, they were astonished. We should never be astonished when God answers our prayers in a mighty, manifest, and even a miraculous way, right? We shouldn't be surprised. Why? Because the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Very quickly in our prayers, we need to be praying for those that are in authority, for kings and those that are in governing authority over us. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 to 2. I exhort, therefore, that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings that are all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and a peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. We want to pray for our governmental leaders, not for the Republican agenda to be advanced, not for the conservative agenda to be advanced, but for the most part, we want to pray for those that are in authority to where they'll just leave us alone so we can live a quiet and a peaceable life in all godliness and honesty, worshiping God in spirit and in truth according to the dictates of God's word. We have multiple examples in scripture of praying without ceasing. We see Anna, who was a widow of 84 years, most likely well over 100 years old. We're told in Luke chapter 2 and verse 37 that Anna departed not out of the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and days. You know, you're serving God when you pray. You're serving God when you pray. And there's many people, especially older members that may be in nursing homes or not able to come to church, and they say, you know, why, why did the Lord just take me home? Well, I'll tell you one of the reasons why he, if you're still in your right mind, why the Lord hadn't took you home is you can labor fervently in prayer for the kingdom. You can labor fervently in prayers for the church. Because I'll tell you, I am preoccupied with my job from eight to five. I don't have the ability to focus all day in prayer the way that some people that are retired and don't have anything physically to do and aren't able to get out and do what they want to do. They don't have those distractions like I have. You can labor fervently in prayer all day long for the church. And I want to encourage you, every single one of you that has that time, whatever circumstance you're in, if you have that time during the day where you're not working a job, you need to be laboring fervently in prayer for the church and for the kingdom because you can make such a strong, powerful impact in the kingdom by your prayers. And just in case we ever think that our prayers are not that important, you know, all I can do is pray. I've heard people say that so many times. Well, I all I can do is pray. Well, I'll tell you, there is something that is special about the prayers of the saints. And if all you can do is pray, there's nothing more you can do than pray. Now, you need to back up your prayers with action, no doubt. But there is something that is special about the prayers of the saints. Look at these descriptions of the prayers of the saints from the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 5 and in verse 8. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps, golden vials full of odor, 
which are the prayers of the saints. And then Revelation chapter eight, verse three. And another angel came and stood at the altar having a golden censer and there was given unto him much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of the saints, the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar, which is before the throne and the smoke of the incense, which came by the prayers of the saints ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. Sometimes we think, well, God's just not answering my prayers. God's just not hearing my prayers. I want to tell you, every single one of the prayers of the saints comes up as a sweet smelling odor before our God. What a beautiful picture of our prayers. If you ever think your prayers are not important, if you ever think your prayers are not effectual and God's not listening to you, my prayers never get above the ceiling. I'll tell you, that's never true if you're praying in the spirit according to the will of God. Your prayers always get above the ceiling. Why? Because the prayers of the saints come up as a sweet smelling odor. God sees his people praying according According to his will and dependence upon him, seeking his intervention in their life, seeking the growth of the kingdom and the growth of the church, and that is pleasing to God. You understand that? These prayers of the saints come up as a sweet smelling savor, a sweet smelling incense before God. It is pleasing to God for him to hear and figuratively hear smell the sweet odor of the prayers of the saints. Don't ever think that your prayers are not important. Don't ever think that your prayers are not effectual. Your prayers always get above the ceiling. Your prayers are always heard by God the Father. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is making intercession for that prayer before the throne according to the will of God. Your prayers come up before the throne. Your, call, your prayers come up as a sweet smelling savor before our God. And God is pleased God is pleased with prayer. Prayer is an act of worship. Prayer is an act of ascribing worth to God. And it is pleasing to God for him to smell that sweet smelling fragrance, that sweet smelling odor of the prayers of his saints coming up before him in laboring fervently in prayer, especially laboring fervently in prayer for the church. I hope you can be like me and try to have a renewed commitment to labor fervently in prayer, to have more diligence and tenacity and intensity and fervency and zealousness in your prayers, knowing that our God hears us, knowing that our God loves us, and we can make a tremendous impact on the kingdom when we pray fervently unto him. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man and a righteous woman avails very much. And let's not be lazy in neglecting that duty to pray fervently for the church and fervently for each other. May God bless you. If you enjoy the messages you hear on the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, we invite you to visit a Primitive Baptist Church in your community. To find a Primitive Baptist Church near you, to listen to past messages online, and to find further contact information, you can visit our website at gospel-of-grace.com. You can also find our program on iTunes under podcast, entitled The Gospel of Grace, a Primitive Radio Broadcast. 
If you listen and enjoy our program, we would love to hear from you. You may contact us by email at gospelofgracepb at gmail.com. This program is produced by Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church, 40283 Wolf Road, Caledonia, Mississippi, and Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, 11 Staten Road, on Highway 15, just north of Ackerman, Mississippi. We would love for you to come and worship with us each Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. We invite you to tune in again next week for another message from the Gospel of Grace. Until next time, we pray God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus our Lord. Wonderful the